this time of year, such a, a special, fun time. I love it. Um, these are, are exciting times for all of us, um, except for, I'd say, a lot of the Christmas shopping that we have to do, right? I mean, for some of you, that's something you enjoy. For some of you, that is a pain. It's a nightmare, battling through the malls, trying to pick up the gifts, especially when you're trying to buy for those people that seem to have everything already, that you just are sitting there going, what does this person need? Whatever they need, they seem to go out and buy already. So what am I possibly going to give this person for Christmas that's, you know, something that's going to be worthwhile, something that they're going to need or appreciate that it's not just going to be some kind of weird or random odd gift. You never know how they're going to respond to something you give them, you know, if it's just going to leave them speechless for all the wrong reasons. Um, now, there are some odd gifts that you can get out there. In fact, we've got a few of those to show you here that, that you can find online shopping. Some odd gifts. Here is a phone conversation privacy mask for when you want to be speaking on your phone in public and you don't want anybody to hear or read your lips what you're doing so you can walk around and look like that and have your conversation kept in privacy. There's a gift you can buy. Here's another one. It's a wearable sleeping bag. Wouldn't that be handy? So when you're out camping and you need to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night, you don't have to get out of bed. The bed comes with you. And so you can take care of all that for you. Looks wonderful. You can also buy real insect necklaces. These are real, neck, real insects that you can wear around your neck for whatever reason. I have no idea, but that is something that you can purchase. Here's another odd one you can buy, a pimple popping toy. If, for whatever reason, you just love the thrill of popping pimples and you don't have enough of your own, you can buy a toy to provide that joy for you right there. Here's another odd gift. It's a portable sauna because you just never know when you might be at the office and just be thinking, I could go for a sauna right about now. And you can bring the sauna to you and do it right there. And then after you have that sauna treatment, you can buy an ostrich pillow where you can take a nap because that's what you're going to want to do. You just want to get some quiet time. You can be like an ostrich, bury your head in the sand or in this device now and do that in the office. And also, if you do that in the office, you might be enjoying an extended period of rest time after getting fired for doing that in the office. So those are some strange gifts that you can buy. But we're going to be talking about today the indescribable gift. And we're going to look in a moment at, uh, I think, one of the greatest Christmas verses uh, that the Bible has, one that's probably oftentimes overlooked. Now, speaking of Christmas gifts, I, I reflect on a time when I bought a gift that I thought this is going to be the most incredible gift. And I've told the story before, and so some of you might have heard it. It might be new to some of you guys. Hopefully it is. But it, it, it was a time when I was back at uh, Bible College in Rhode Island. And so my buddy and I took a trip to New York, Manhattan. We're walking around Times Square. And it's one night, late at night, and we're walking along. And all of a sudden, a guy comes up behind us and whispers, hey, you guys want to buy a video camera? And I'm like, oh, this is not going to go well. This doesn't sound legit or cool. So I'm thinking, just keep walking, ignore him. And my buddy with me blurts out, how much? And the guy's like, shh, come on, keep it down. He says, hey, come on over here. And he signals us to come over to some dark corner of the sidewalk, which is, again, not leading in the right direction here with this whole transaction. This is not feeling good. I'm thinking, what are we doing? Let's just get out of here. So my buddy starts bartering with them. Well, what's the deal? Let's, how about this much? And so they start working it out a uh, price. And my friend's like, okay, let's do it. 
but he's got no money on him. So he has to go to an ATM. And so we start walking through New York looking for an ATM with this stranger in tow and his video camera. And I'm like, oh man. So we get to the ATM. My friend's card doesn't work. So he needs me to bail him out. So I sit my ATM card in. I get some money, make the transaction, walk off of this gift. We go and put it in our car. So now we've got this video camera. We get back to the Bible college and this video camera ends up in my room in my closet, a few days pass, my buddy doesn't seem like he's making any attempts to pay me back. So I'm thinking, now this video camera would make a really awesome Christmas gift for my parents. I mean, could you just imagine? You know, broke Bible college student comes home and gives his parents a video camera. This is back in the day when not everybody had a video camera. It was rare, it was an expensive item, and I could just think, my parents getting a video camera from me. I mean, all my past mistakes, like out the window, my bad grades in high school, forgotten. I mean, like we're talking son of the year, maybe son of the decade, giving a video camera to my parents. I'm thinking, this is gonna be a Christmas like no other. So I'm like, all right, this is it. I tell my buddy, you know what? I'm gonna keep the thing. Uh, you're not, you don't, you don't have any money you're paying me back. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna give it to my parents for Christmas. I'm like, okay, sounds cool. So it's sitting in my closet. You know, it's got the, box all wrapped up with bubble wrap and the pictures of the, and I'm looking at this thing going, this would be really fun just to kind of try out right now. So I'm thinking I could put this to use, make some video, you know, of the Bible college and all, bring it back home. And so I thought, you know what, I'm going to open this thing up, make, make some use of it. So I bring it out of my, out of the closet, start tearing away that bubble wrap, cutting it in the box, open it up to find two New York telephone books. And that was it. Left me a little speechless right there. Not as speechless as it would have been if I hadn't opened it and I wrapped it up, gave it to my parents for Christmas, and they open it up from me and get two telephone books. Hey, Merry Christmas, Mom and Dad. There you go. That's wonderful. Well, so uh, my mom's here, actually. Hi, Mom. And uh, I hope she's heard that story before. Um, I don't think she got anything that year for Christmas, but maybe a couple of telephone books. But um, And a good memory. So, uh, so... There's some gifts that we can certainly give that can leave us speechless for all the wrong reasons, right? When it comes to gift giving, it can be pretty hit and miss, can't it, right? But today we remind ourselves of the most incredible gift that's ever been given. It's a gift that left the Apostle Paul speechless in a sense, but for all the right reasons, not speechless like it would have given getting a, a pimple-popping toy or, or something like that. This left Paul in a place where he's just marveling in awe uh, uh, as he reflects upon this gift. It's found in 2 Corinthians 9.15, this wonderful Christmas verse, I think the greatest Christmas verse that, again, will oftentimes get overlooked. But 2 Corinthians 9, verse 15, if you want to turn there, you don't have to because it's a short verse. And here's what it says. Jump there if you want to. 2 Corinthians 9, 15, says this, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Now, what's really interesting about this is Paul shares this verse in the context of this passage in 2 Corinthians 9 that's all about giving. He's encouraging the church to to be givers. In fact, this is the verse where it says, God loves a cheerful giver. So this is that passage 
That passage that we talk about when we talk about offering and tithes and, and giving and being generous, that God is not uh, making this an obligation, but he wants you to do this willingly for God loves a cheerful giver. And then as Paul is relaying this whole message and thought about being givers, he's reminded of the incredible gift that's been given to us. Where it, it, it's like he stops and he pauses and he's just like, Lord, whatever we might think about giving to you, we have to understand that you've already given us the most incredible, indescribable gift that we could ever think of. In fact, it's what's kind of motivating Paul in everything that he's doing. It's what should motivate us in everything that we do to realize that God has already done incredibly more for us. We can never outgive God. We can never, you know, outdo what God has already done for us. So Paul, in writing this passage, just stops and he pauses to say, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Now that word, um, indescribable, it's the only time that this word is used in the New Testament, the Greek word for this. The Greek word is this word, anikdiaetos. Say it with me, anikdiaetos. It means unspeakable, beyond words. It's kind of like that Greek word, it's unspeakable. How do we say it? I don't know. I hope I'm saying it right. But this is the idea that Paul is saying, I don't have any words to adequately express when I think about what God has given me already in his son, Jesus Christ. I love how the New Living Translation puts it, where it says, thank God for this gift too wonderful for words. That's what Paul is saying. There's nothing that I can adequately communicate or convey on scripture here that will really do justice of saying how wonderful, how incredible, how awe-inspiring this incredible gift is that we've received from God in his son, Jesus Christ. So today, we're gonna look at this indescribable gift, why it's so indescribable. So no matter what you may be dealing with this Christmas, whether it be the stress of shopping or finding the right gift or a, a disappointment over a gift that you've received where you are thinking for something great. And I know they say it's the thought that counts, but sometimes we're thinking, couldn't they think a little bit bigger, right? But whatever might be going on in your life today, perhaps it's even the the pain of having lost a loved one this time of year that it again brings those things back to surface over missing that person. Whatever might be happening in your life, we like Paul need to be reminding ourselves of the fact that we've been given such an incredible gift. Whatever you experience in an external way this Christmas, let us remember and internalize what we have in and through Jesus Christ. So why is this such a significant, indescribable gift? Well, first of all, it's God's personal gift. It's a personal gift. You see, God didn't just give this gift to the rich and affluent, nor did he just come for those that were down and out. He came for you and for me. He came for the masses. He came for everybody. Now notice something, that first Christmas morning when Jesus was born, 
Who were the first people that God led to that scene? Who? The shepherds. The shepherds. Now for us today, we look at that and we think, hey, cool. That's awesome. No big deal. Shepherds come. Why not? They're out there in the fields. But understand something that in this day, the significance of that, this would have been almost scandalous to have the shepherds showing up because these were kind of seen as the lowlifes of society. The shepherds had such a bad reputation. They lived by the motto, what's mine is mine and what's yours is mine. In other words, you had to make sure that whatever you had out and around your property was chained up or else the shepherds would come by and think, oh, look at this, they're having a free yard sale. There we go. Take that for myself. This was kind of the reputation of the shepherds in this day. These guys had a bad rap against them. So you couldn't blame them for thinking that they would be the ones that God would rather be heightening security against rather than rolling out the red carpet for in this significant event of the birth of the Messiah. So the shepherds are invited in and they are probably thinking, why us? But this is what God desired to communicate that very first Christmas to set the tone that God wasn't sending this gift of his son, Jesus Christ, for the people that were deserving, but he was bringing this gift for everybody and anybody that was willing to come and receive that. Sadly, many people think that God could never save them, that they're too far gone for God's love. But understand that if God brought the shepherds to the stable to be the first witnesses of his glorious birth, God's gift then is available to you, to me. It's his indescribable, wonderful gift for you personally that he wants each and every person to receive this Christmas. And not only was this realized at Jesus' birth, but it was also consistent with Jesus' ministry. Because remember, as Jesus is going about serving and ministering to people, that it was the religious leaders that kept coming and bumping up against Jesus and criticizing him for the things that he was doing, and more so, criticizing him over the people that he was interacting with. Because Jesus, in his ministry, wasn't trying to keep everything very clean and sterile. He was going to the down and out, to the to those that were kind of the outcasts of society. In fact, Jesus was invited into the home of a tax collector where there was tax collectors and sinners gathered around. Oh my goodness, could you believe that? And Jesus is in the midst of them. And the religious leaders come and they start complaining and criticizing Jesus over that. And here's what Jesus said to them. It's in Luke chapter five. And he said this, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I've not come to call the righteous but sinners to repentance. So Jesus came that very first Christmas there in a manger with the shepherds gathering around because that was to be a picture, a witness, a testimony that God's coming to call all people. Whether you feel outcast or not, whether you feel undeserving or not, God's calling everybody in. And Jesus himself went after those that were the outcast, the overlooked, the despised. And he went after those because says, I'm coming to call those people. And he's calling you and me to come and take him in this Christmas. One of the things that keep people from receiving this great gift is that they think not only that they're not deserving, but also sometimes they think, I don't really need that. I'm doing just fine on my own. 
I got everything together. I'm a good person. But like those shepherds, we have to understand we were all in that category kind of being the black sheep of the family. Those were the shepherds, the black sheep. But it's us as well. Because we're, we're born into sin. You don't have to teach somebody to sin. They come upon it very naturally. Just look at any two-year-old and you'll see that for yourself. They come upon that very naturally. We're, we're born into this. We, we are, are separated from God because of our sins. So we understand we're all in need of this gift that's been given to us. And we see that very clearly through our next point. Not only is it God's personal gift, but it's God's provisional gift. It's God's provisional gift. See, the fact of the matter, and this is what I'm trying to say, is that we were all lost in sin and that every single one of us needed help. This is not a gift given to us because God felt we deserved it. On the contrary, he came to save us when we were wretched people when we were sinners, when we were least deserving of receiving anything like this. We have to understand the mess that we were in, the brokenness that we were in. It's interesting because when Mary received this child, it says in Luke's gospel, chapter two, that she wrapped him in swaddling cloths wrapped him up in swaddling cloths. In fact, Luke's gospel is the only gospel to give us that kind of descriptive picture of of him being wrapped in swaddling cloths. And it's interesting because Luke is a physician. He's a doctor. And you see, this is kind of a, a medical sort of application that's being done because these linen cloths were also used as, used in medical practices. It would be used for bandaging or securing broken limbs. And so, like I said, we have to understand the mess that we were in, that we were broken people in need of treatment. And you see, God provided this through his gift. Sin had left us crippled and we needed healing. And here, Jesus comes on the scene and now he's wrapped in swallowing cloths. These these linen cloths used in medical practices. He's wrapped in this and, and he's also wrapped in that in his burial. Remember when, when Peter and John ran to the tomb? What did they find there? The linen cloths lying by themselves. Jesus was raised to life, never in need of bandages again. See, that's the hope that we have in and through Jesus Christ, that Jesus came, he's wrapped in swallowing cloths, so it's a picture too that he came to heal. He came to bring life to those that were hurting, broken, in need. He came to provide the treatments, a practical gift for us here, or a provisional gift for us in that he came to provide for us what we needed. But he died and rose again, leaving those things behind to show, I've come to give you life, and not only life now, but life eternal. That in me, you can have forgiveness, you can be made whole, you can be healed, and you can have life in him. It says in Romans 6, 23, a well-known verse, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's ultimately where this gift takes us, eternal life in and through Jesus Christ. So it's a personal gift. It's a provisional gift. It's also this practical gift for us. See, God came and gave us what we needed. Have you ever received those 
kinds of gifts where the person giving it must not have known anything about you, any of your interests or any of your likes, you know? Like if someone were to come and give me a, a, a book titled Flower Arrangement 101, I'd be like, well, I mean, there's, there's my wife's birthday present right there. All right, wrap that up again. It's like, I have no use for that. But a lot of times you might get something that you think, this is so impractical or this isn't anything that I would use. We've all received those kinds of gifts, I'm sure, where you just thought, what, what were they thinking? This is no use for me. However, with this gift given to us by God, this is something that's very practical. It's perfectly practical. It tells us in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 1, verse 20 to 21, that the angel of the Lord came and spoke to Joseph, and he said, Do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit, and she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Do you see that? He came to bring salvation. He's going to save us. We needed that salvation, didn't we? We needed saving. Now, some might say, I'm not much of a sinner at all. I'm doing just fine on my own, like we talked about earlier. I don't really need this. This is so impractical, but... Everybody has to realize how perfectly practical this is, that every single one of us needs the work that Jesus came to provide for us. Because there's nothing in our own resources that can help us. We keep coming up short, and a lot of people try. A lot of people say, well, I'm going to just do better this year, right? New Year's resolutions come onto the scene, and takes a good two, three days before we realize, well, that's not happening any longer. But we try. We keep going, I'm going to do better this year. I'm going to live better. I'm going to do more. And we keep trying to do it in ourselves to do what we think is going to help us be more right with God. But we have to understand there's nothing in and of our own resources that are, are, are going to help us. See, the Bible says that we've all sinned and Fallen short of the glory of God. Here's the deal. We keep coming up short. That's something I know about far too well. But we keep coming up short because every attempt just makes us realize we're never going to reach that level that God has for that standard of, of righteousness. That's why he sent his son to come and die on a cross to pay the penalty for our sin. He allowed his son to leave the, the glories of heaven and be born in a lowly manger and to clothe himself in humanity so that he could take our place, so that he could be the right and perfect sacrifice for us, that he would step in the place of us and take God's judgment upon himself and that he would not only take God's judgment, but then provide for us his righteousness. Every single one of us need it because without his work and without our faith and trust in him, then we're coming up short. We don't have a leg to stand on. We are, are guilty, unrighteous before God. And we're never gonna be righteous before God in and of ourselves. It's through our faith in Jesus. So this becomes a very practical gift. It's beyond us. In fact, here's what we read in Ephesians chapter Chapter two, for by grace you've been saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. You hear that? Listen, guys, he's saying, you can't do this. 
Receive what I've done. It's the gift of God. It's freely given to you. This is a work of grace. It's not of yourselves. You're not gonna be able to provide this for yourself. This is my gift to you, free of charge. Receive it. His gift was so very practical and needed. Not only is it personal, provisional, practical, but it's also a very pleasing gift. When we look at this gift he's given us, see, God knows exactly what you need. God knows exactly what is going to satisfy, help you, and bless you. And it's found in Jesus. Some people dismiss Jesus because they think, you know what, he's just gonna hold me back. He's gonna rob me of really having fun in life. I don't, want to, I don't want to surrender to Jesus because that means, man, my life is just going to be boring and a drag now. And, and they think, I, I, I'm not willing to do that. But God knows exactly what we need. And God, God's desire is to bless you. And that blessing comes in and through Jesus Christ. He's born in Bethlehem. And Bethlehem means house of bread. House of bread. I think that's so fitting because bread is that international staple of food and fellowship. When we say, let's break bread together, it's more than just sitting down and having a meal together, especially in this day when they would break bread and they would literally do that because, I mean, this is, in their minds, when they sat down to break bread together, they were like becoming one with one another. They were really entering into a very deep, and meaningful fellowship because this is the day, right, where people weren't worried about double dippers, you know, and spreading germs. So you're breaking bread. You're passing that bread around. Everybody's got their hands on it. You're dipping into common bowls of sauce and things, and everybody's dipping in, and DNA's getting mixed up, and, and you're just like, you're sharing a meal, but you're sharing really one another in a sense. And so fellowship was much more significant by the breaking of bread in this day. And yet, Jesus came and he said, John's gospel, John chapter six, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger and he who believes in me shall never thirst. See, in the same way that food satisfies us physically, and it does in this time of year, oh, we all love the family feast together, don't we? Right? And that's usually the number one list on the New Year's resolution, lose some weight because we just gained like 20 pounds over Christmas. But it satisfies, it's wonderful. But just as food satisfies us physically, Jesus came to satisfy you spiritually. To fulfill that need and craving and desire that every single one of us has. That everybody understands, but they're trying to find it and fulfill it in all the wrong things. It's found in Jesus. Jesus doesn't rob you of joy. He's the one that gives you joy and blessing and satisfaction. He says, I'm the bread of life. His is a truly pleasing gift. And when we partake of this gift, we find that he really is the way, the truth, and the life. And he brings joy. He brings satisfaction. And it's based not on what, you know, he will do for me, but it's based on what he's already done for me. We don't have to receive him and go, okay, I'm gonna wait and see now what you're gonna do, how you're gonna change my life. No, we receive him because of what he's already provided for us. 
by being born, dying on a cross, rising again to provide life for us. I don't have to look ahead to see what he's gonna do to satisfy. I already can look at what he's already done and be satisfied in that incredible gift of life. You know, when Jesus is interacting with that woman at the well, he said to her, John chapter four, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Jesus answered and said to her, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. You see, this is what people do so often is they go to the well of the world and they keep trying to dip in and think this is what's gonna help. This is what's gonna satisfy. And Jesus says, you know what? You're gonna keep thirsting if you come into this well. But if you partake of the water that I'm gonna give you, it's gonna satisfy and it's gonna spring up in you a fountain of water into everlasting life. It's Jesus that satisfies. It's his gift that is a pleasing gift for us. He will never disappoint. Lastly, he is God's prophesied gift. You see, this gift was not a Christmas Eve rush. You ever been in that boat? It's like Christmas Eve and you're like, oh man, I have not got all my Christmas shopping done and I need some presents under the tree for my spouse or for my kids and ah, and you get out there and the shelves are just like picked over and you're grabbing all those weird gifts because it's the only thing you can get your hands on. And it's just like a bomb that Christmas because you waited, right? You held it off and you didn't plan it out. Well, listen, this wasn't the case with God. This was planned out. This has been in the making for millennia. There's something to be said for a gift that has been planned out, thought out, that wasn't a rush purchase or a panicked choice. A gift where the person really, again, put some thought into it, planned it out, prepared, and, and, and they give you that now, which they have really put some energy into. It's special. But listen, that's exactly what God has done for you. This is prophesied. This is planned out. He planned the coming of Jesus down to the very detail and he had it prophetically recorded in scripture so that it could not be questioned who the Messiah really was. Moses wrote 1,500 years before the birth of Christ that the Messiah would be a son of the seed of Abraham. 720 years before the birth of Christ, Isaiah said the Messiah would be a royal son of David. Isaiah also said that the Messiah would be born of a virgin and be called Emmanuel, God with us. In 750 BC, Micah said the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. About 750 BC, Hosea described how God's son would be called out of Egypt. In about 600 BC, Jeremiah foretold that the infancy of the Messiah would be surrounded by grief and tragedy. And there is Herod looking to have all the, the, the male boys born, uh, killed. So here's the point, is that God laid it all out laid all out for us to see that this has always been the planned and purposeful objective here, to send his Messiah, the Savior, into the world. This is not an afterthought. This is something that God knew well ahead of time that we needed this incredible, indescribable gift. It's in his son, Jesus Christ, that God has provided for us. So many things happened around the birth of Christ that were prophesied long before. It's kind of like God's stamp of authenticity on that gift. Where you know this is 
genuine. This is legit. You know, it's like getting a nice Gucci watch for Christmas and you flip it over and it says made in Taiwan. You're realizing, oh, okay, you've really, yeah, gone all out for this gift. Thank you. This is not really authentic here in the least, but this is not the case here with Jesus. There was no mistaking that this was the Messiah. In fact, many said that of the, you know, if you take just eight of the 300 prophecies in the Bible that predict Jesus' first coming, if you just take eight of them, for one person to fulfill them, it, it, the number is like 10 to the, uh, oh my goodness, now I forget that I should have written it down, but it's an astronomical figure of one person fulfilling just eight of those, and yet there's 300 prophecies that Jesus has fulfilled. Again, this is that stamp of God saying, this is the real deal. This is legit. This is the one that you've been waiting for, that you've been expecting, that I have told you I'm sending. It's a prophesied gift for us. Now, most of you have heard about how Jesus came as a baby and how the shepherds and the angels gathered around and sang the glory of his birth. And most of you know that Jesus was God in the form of man, that he grew to man. He offered himself then as the sacrifice for all of humankind and for their sins, for yours, for mine. But maybe, just maybe, there is one of you here today who has put off that decision to accept him as your personal savior. Listen, God loves you so much. He loves you so much that he sent his son, Jesus, to leave the, the glories of heaven and to walk this earth and experience all the pain of humanity and to go to a cross and die for you and for me so that he could pay the penalty for your sin for mine. But he rose again, ensuring eternal life. And maybe you know the story well, you know the, the facts, but maybe you're sitting here today and you've just not made that personal for yourself and you've not invited Jesus in. Listen, this day, this year, a lot of people will be getting gift cards because that's a great way now to pass on a gift to somebody that you don't know what they need, a gift card. But that gift card is only good if you go and redeem that, you see. You can put that gift card in your pocket and go, oh man, that's great. This person just gave me a great Starbucks card, 50 bucks on, that's awesome. And you can walk around with that just thankful for that gift. But if you don't redeem that, it's a no value to you. There's a lot of people that are walking around saying, well, I know about Jesus. I got, I got the information down. But you haven't taken that step to say, I need to redeem this. He came to redeem you. He came to set you free from sin and to give you life. But you need to make that step to say, Jesus, I recognize I'm a sinner and I'm in need of you. And I want to invite you into my life to be my Lord and Savior. I want to surrender my life so that I can experience your life. That's what you need to do today. And if you're here today and you've never done that, I encourage you. I invite you in. It doesn't mean you're, you have to join a religion or join a church. It means that you're simply saying, I want to be in Jesus Christ. The Bible says this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life. And this life is in his son. He who has the Son has life. 
He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. Are you in the Son today? And have you invited Jesus in? Let this be the time that you do that if you have not done it yet. I want to pray for you here this morning. Let's close our eyes. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time to reflect upon this incredible, indescribable gift of your son, Jesus, who came to give us life, who came to set us free. And I pray for anyone here today that has not received you as their own, has not invited you in personally to say, be my Lord, my Savior, I surrender my life so that I might experience your life. I pray that you would just continue to knock on their heart and cause them to open up their heart to you to say, Jesus, come in and be my life. I want to be found in the Son today. I want to be found in Jesus. And would you lead people to you here this morning? And for the rest of us, I pray, Lord, that this time of year, we would not neglect reflecting on and remembering what this is all about, because it is all about you, Jesus. And so may we go forth today celebrating, rejoicing in you, and for the incredible gift that you are to us. We thank you, and like Paul, we praise you. We love you, Jesus, and we thank you that you love us. So we pray this in your name, Jesus, amen.